This is Gerald Eastwood, the stepson of John Stringer, who took the JFK autopsy photos at Bethesda Naval Hospital. Today we'll cover the autopsy and a lot of other allied subjects all related to the conspiracy. In 2013, a Gallup poll indicated over 60% of Americans believed a conspiracy existed related to the JFK assassination. And this reminds me of an earlier poll in the early 1990s where 51% of the American population believes the CIA was behind the plot to kill Kennedy. You will recall Jim Garrison, the DA from New Orleans. In 1967, this was his main contention. The CIA killed Kennedy. He was a man ahead of his time. First, let's look at the question of where could JFK's brain possibly be. JFK's brain was removed during the autopsy. Personnel placed it in a stainless steel box that was transmitted to the Secret Service. The box remained locked in the White House until 1965 when Senator Robert F. Kennedy ordered the brain to be taken to the National Archives. However, a National Archives inventory of medical evidence from the JFK autopsy conducted in 1966 indicated the brain was not in its possession. Where could it have gone? A recent book by researcher James Swanson claims to know the truth. According to Swanson, JFK's brain was actually removed by JFK's brother Robert in an attempt to conceal the nature of the whole matter. Swanson said there was a possibility the brain could provide evidence that Oswald was not the sole shooter. He could be right. According to reports, there were up to 40 metallic fragments that were observed in Kennedy's brain. That would indicate he was hit by a frangible bullet. Not a full metal jacket bullet. The term full metal jacket means the lead bullet is encased in a separate harder metal. This is typically copper. That second type of bullet, a full metal jacket bullet, caused all of the other wounds and destruction. A full metal jacket bullet was the first bullet to enter Kennedy's back and exit his throat. A full metal jacket bullet, a second shot, caused multiple serious injuries to Governor Conley. A third metal jacket bullet ricocheted and hit James Tague. James Tague was the third man wounded during the JFK assassination in Dallas on November 22nd. He was standing on Commerce Street under the triple underpass where he was slightly wounded in the face by debris from a missed shot that hit a main street curb. The last and final bullet, though, was a frangible bullet which was obviously fired from the grassy knoll area. A number of witnesses reported firing from that area. That is the bullet that struck Kennedy and caused his head to go back and to the left because according to the laws of physics, it came from the front and to the right. In other words, the grassy knoll. More about the grassy knoll later. That was the fourth bullet. The Warren Commission fiction stated, of course, three bullets, one of which was the magic bullet. Four bullets equals conspiracy. Now to JFK's autopsy for a moment. Parkland doctors described a large wound to the right occipital or back of the brain. This indicates a frontal shot. The Bethesda doctors did not describe this wound in this manner. The only plausible explanation is that JFK's body underwent a switch and surgery on Air Force Two before it arrived at Bethesda. This is the only explanation that fits. Where there had been a hole, now there was hair in the same area. Commander Humes at Bethesda said strangely that JFK's brain literally, quote, fell into my hands. Humes never mentioned the brain being weighed in his autopsy notes. When asked why, he said simply, I don't know. I, I think I know. The 
When surgery has been performed, or partial surgery, that can cause what Dr. Humes saw to occur. Honest FBI agents O'Neill and Sieber testified that, quote, the body seemed to have undergone surgery prior to autopsy, mainly in the head area, unquote. And Commander James J. Humes testified, quote, the moment he touched the head of JFK, pieces of the skull fell down on the autopsy table, unquote. That would have only been possible if surgery had been done before the autopsy. To repeat, the only plausible location would have been aboard Air Force Two. This whole cover-up was planned. It was part two of the conspiracy. It was straight CIA all the way through. The conspirators made a mistake. Instead of putting JFK's body in the same expensive wooden bronze coffin as originally intended, they put it in a plain gray metal coffin. Thus, the medics who received the casket at Bethesda, Maryland, report getting, quote, JFK's body, unquote, in a gray coffin, not the wooden one, where it was loaded onto in Dallas. Now, Jack Ruby was a major enigma. Despite the mainstream press and their plain vanilla description of him, it was apparent he was a bag man for the Chicago outfit. Interestingly, a witness placed him as the driver of a truck which was seen unloading a weapon directly in front of the grassy knoll just two hours before the motorcade arrived. The House Assassinations Committee came up with some startling acoustical evidence. I'll summarize it here. On the day of the assassination, a microphone on a police motorcycle in the motorcade was stuck in the on position. The sounds were transferred to a dictabelt machine at Dallas Police Headquarters. The HSCA asked top acoustics experts to analyze this recording. The results were startling. James Barger and his colleagues with Bolt, Baranek, and Newman discovered six impulses on the tape at 12.30 p.m. An onset testing was conducted in Dallas at Dealey Plaza. Microphones were placed along the parade route and test shots fired from the two locations witnesses reported hearing gunfire, the school book depository area and the grassy knoll. BBN found that five of the impulses on the dictabelt matched acoustically the echo patterns of test shots fired in Dealey Plaza. One of these was a shot fired from the grassy knoll. The gunshots synchronized with the visual evidence. This is the Zapruder film. Frame 313 is the explosion of Kennedy's head caused by the frangible bullet. Before this, in frames 225 and 230, the Stetson hat in Connolly's hand flips up and down as the bullet passed through his wrist. There are perfect correlations between the acoustics and all other known data. The conclusion? A triangulation of crossfire with a second assassin. It reminds me of something, a verbal confession made years ago on a deathbed. There is a Rolling Stone article called The Last Confession of E. Hard Hunt. It lists the claims that Hunt made in great detail right before he passed away to his son, St. John. The article ran in April 2007, but it details conversations that St. John said he had with his father in 2003. In it, e. Hunt said that LBJ was at the top of the pyramid, so to speak, and CIA operatives, black ops people, the heads of various programs at the time, were the ones in charge. Now, they could have also hired French assassinations, of French assassins, one of whom was notably placed at the Grassy Knoll. I recall Jack Ruby said something to the effect before he passed away that if Ally Stevenson had been Kennedy's vice president as opposed to LBJ, the assassination would never have happened. K. 
Kennedy's autopsy was performed by doctors who had no significant background at all in gunshot-related autopsy procedures. There were many eminently qualified forensic pathologists, including Dr. Cyril Wecht, who could have performed a qualified autopsy. This fact alone is very telling. Instead, the body went to Bethesda and was worked on by Navy brass, not forensic pathologists. The leading assassination of the century. Why? Going back to New Orleans and the Jim Garrison investigation, one of his top witnesses was Perry Russo. Russo said he was at the New Orleans apartment of David Ferry when he overheard Leon Oswald, Ferry, and Shaw discuss the plot to assassinate President Kennedy. He waited until after Ferry died to come forth with this information. Russo passed a polygraph, hypnosis, and truth serum examination. On March 4, 1967, three days after Shaw's arrest in New Orleans, Pessy Starr, a crypto-communist Italian tabloid, charged that a defunct corporation, Central Mondiale Commercial, the World Trade Center, whose board of directors included Clay Shaw, was a CIA front masking illegal anti-communist operations in Italy. Clay Shaw was a well-dressed, dignified, and had the quality of Elan, stylishness and flair individual. He was the director of the International Trademark. One of the reasons District Attorney Jim Garrison came across information in the Italian press that tied Shaw not only to the CIA, a connection Garrison had suspected, but to two highly suspicious organizations that he categorized as the Twin Intelligence Combines, the Central Mondial Commercial and Permendex. Permendex ties revealed that uh, JFK's murder was related. There's a great article Lyndon LaRouche put together that names names. There's a PDF copy of that article on your internet. You'll see how deep down the rabbit hole goes if you search it. Welcome to Alice in Wonderland. I'll provide only a taste. Here's a, a quote from this detailed piece of research. Quote, the 1001 Club includes Indian Maharajas, Caribbean narcotics bankers, and dozens of European counts and princesses. This common characteristic of its members is that they are either officers of the British royal family or of European oligarchical families acting in collusion with the British royal family. This is the international capability which provided backup to the Assassination Bureau. So let's fast forward. Kid brother Attorney General Bobby resigns one year after the assassination in late 1964, days before the Warren Commission presents its lies. A few months later, in early 65, Johnson appoints Deputy Nicholas Kotzen back as RFK's top cop successor. Those who plotted the coup d'etat need only check eight areas in order to pull off the assassination without raising suspicion. Whoever can do this did the assassination. I believe we know the answer. So did Hired Hunt and many others. One, Dallas. One of the most quoted assertions of Elf Fletcher Prouty is the claim that an Army Intelligence Unit, the 316th Field Detachment of the 112th Military Intelligence Group, was ordered to stand down and provide no additional security for Kennedy's Texas visit. 2. Dealey Plaza. Ensure the motorcade route goes through Dealey Plaza, where sewers provide cover for the killers to literally walk away unseen, where multiple buildings provide cover, Dow Tex, the book depository, 
where the grassy knoll is, a perfect getaway spot. Three, Washington. For a while after the assassination, D.C. and suburb phones are either dead or unreliable. The only consistent communication is radio among the White House and Langley. Four, Air Force One. Surreptitiously move the corpse to a different casket on Air Force Two. Five, Bethesda Naval Hospital. Divert the body and closely control the autopsy. One of the doctors conveniently burned his first draft of autopsy notes. Six, National Archives. Remove the brain and other key elements of the assassination records and then place a seal of discovery on key documents for many, many decades. Seven, White House. Appoint a group such as was appointed. The conclusion of the Warren Report that President Kennedy was killed by a lone assassin is obviously a fairy tale, totally untrue, a fiction, a myth, totally impossible. Who had the authority to appoint these so-called blue-ribbon experts? In 8, Mexico City, the HSCA's Lopez Report provided evidence that Oswald was impersonated in Mexico City at around the same time as Leon Oswald was seen in Dallas. He was impersonated and allegedly met with Valery Kostikov, a member of Directorate 13 of the KGB. That's the Assassination Bureau. Why did this happen? Because some operative with a high-level U.S. intel group knew that Oswald was involved, even if only at the periphery, and knew that the assassination was imminent only weeks away, and it would occur in November of 1963. Therefore, they had a double of a totally different physical appearance, but nonetheless reported as Oswald on a CIA cable just released in the last few weeks to meet with KGB's chief of assassinations. Why? In order to dissuade and discourage any other alphabet agencies to investigate or release data once the event actually occurred. Because who in his right mind would want to tie Oswald to Russia? That would ignite World War III. Thus, the other alphabet agencies stand down. And that's exactly what they did. This is Gerald Eastwood. Good night and Godspeed from a remote island in the Gulf of Mexico. Remember, as the seals say, the only easy day was yesterday.